Hey everyone, welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. everybody welcome miss welcome edie and welcome myself welcome kevin welcome edie welcome to episode 103 i can't believe it's 103 this man was uh, lauded in his time but covered up a lot of bullshit and i think that miss and i both have experiences being near him pope john oh. paul ii would have been oh. 103 he now did we said come celebrities to we said he's celebrities. the he first celebrity. celebrity listed in celebrities born in 1920 on famousbirthdays.com are you going to take it up with mr famous birthdays i like to speak to the manager of famousbirthdays.com <laughs> sorry you don't have he's the right haircut for that he's unavailable uh, he was an actor who is the reason why I have never seen the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's in its entirety, because as soon as he shows up, I am mm-hmm. out. Oh. Mickey Rooney mm-hmm. would yep. have been 103. Yep. I really Mickey do Rooney. like that movie. <laughs> but. Yeah, people are like, oh, yeah, dresses, Audrey Hepburn, glamour, uh-huh. and like horrible, horrible. racist caricature. racism. Awful. Mm-hmm. The false It is teeth. hard to watch. Terrible. He is one of two grumpy old men and a grumpier old man, Walter Matthau. He's definitely the grumpier of the two. <laughs> and I'll close with this one. He was a, an extremely prolific sci-fi author whose foundation series is now a TV series on Apple Plus starring Lee Pace, who is six foot five and does a fight scene in this <laughs> most recent season where he's wearing a chainmail crop top and palazzo pants. Isaac oh, Asimov wow. would have been 103. Well, thank you, Isaac Asimov, <laughs> for the eventuality of Lee Pace, who is fully six foot five, he's doing six that foot five. fight scene. Uh-huh. We, we stand. It's a good show. It's not okay. just because Lee Pace is in it and is six foot five throughout. Six foot five is like a key, though. It's a key point is what we're get is I mean, what I'm getting. I mean, it's Lee Pace because he's six foot five. It's six crucial five, to always recall Good. that Lee Pace is and remains six foot five. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, now I know. And now the listeners know. Evie has got me onto that. And that is something that I will always associate with Lee Pace now. So thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. He's six foot five. <laughs> oh, I love slash hate us for that. But I do hope it catches on because that is not to say it's the best quality about him, but it is. Up it's there. a hell of a I mean, quality. There is a t-shirt company called Super Yaki Shop. They do movie themed 
t-shirts and merch and stuff. They're fabulous. And they had a whole line of t-shirts, tote bags, booty shorts that all said Lee Pace is six foot five. Amazing. This is so fucking funny. Booty shorts, did you say? I yes. Mean, yeah. Little booty shorts that say on the butt, Lee Pace is six foot five. I love that. Oh, yeah. Super yeah. Yaki is an amazing follow. They're a great Instagram follow. Their stuff is great. I like them very much. Splendiferous. I am so, so very happy to have reconvened for another amazing episode with you th- two creatures. I almost said three creatures, but... Uh, is the fourth co-host in the room with us right now? <laughs> yeah, you can't see her. She's right behind me. Ah! Ah! That's no, my friend. We are amazing. That is canonical, of course. Obviously. Let us tell people what our amazing weekends were. And I think, Miss, I'd like to start with you. Oh, wow. Thank you. I am honored. I have been having and getting over a cold for, I don't know, four weeks now. Minimum. Years. Yeah. It's It's been tenacious, this one. I'm actually kind of convinced that I've had two colds just back to back. But Could've. it's neither here nor there. We need yeah. to buy you like an Edwardian fainting couch. Oh, God, <laughs> I would love an Edwardian fainting couch. If anybody needed one of those, it's me. It's uh, you. When you're too sickly to do anything except read your correspondence. Yes. That, oh, God, what a dream. But I did some much needed straightening up and cleaning. I managed to do all of my laundry. And I did as a millennial. Yeah, cleaned my bathroom, so I'm feeling much better about that. It was literally exhausting. Uh (laughs) I had to lay down afterwards, but I'm feeling very good about it. It's the little things, y'all. If you're sick and you can do the laundry, that is that is a win for me, and it's a win for you. (laughs) Good for you. You're not better than me. Other than that, I just. I've been crocheting a lot of granny squares. I decided I'm not making a sweater. I'm making a blanket. And it's been a lot of fun. Edie, how was your weekend? It's good. I had my last day at my previous job on Friday. We're recording this on Sunday. Um, I had been with this part of the public defender's office for just over three years and it's been really wonderful and there were very very few things that could have dragged me away from that division but where I'm going now is is one of them so I'm still with the public defender's office uh, but I will be doing direct appeals and it will be very cool and I'm very excited to uh, start things up I'm looking very warmly towards the future but it is super bittersweet and I'm I'm looking forward to uh, terrorizing my new office with constant pictures of Estelle. Hell yeah. <laughs> Edie, am that. I spying new specs on you? You are spying new specs on me. They are adorable. In in my in my retail therapy travels recently, I've been doing a lot of glasses shopping from mm-hmm. Z Lul. That's where I got both of my glasses. Yes. And these frames. Oh were on super They're sale so for $7 and the oh, lenses $7. were $20. Mm-hmm. And so I got these glasses for $27. What the hell? Yeah. Same. I'll That's never awesome. I'll never go back. I got another pair where the frames were like 20 bucks, so I ended up paying like $50 for an entire pair of glasses. It's incredible. So, it's incredible. It so now I'm up to like five or six pairs of glasses in my in my rotation. 
It's nice. And it's great. It's great. I love that. I hate contacts. I don't like them. They make my eyeballs feel weird. They swim around. I hate them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They feel itchy in bed. (laughs) Yes, all of it. (laughs) Kev, what have you been up to? Ooh, yes, me. What have I been up to? I've been a busy lad. I have definitely been churning out more of my paintings. I've been working on an Anna Nicole Smith painting. Oh, it's so so good, good, y'all. It's so good. You're not ready for it. No. (laughs) It's the picture of Anna Nicole Smith perched Uh atop her ancient, ancient husband. Uh It is. Yes. And I'm finding a lot of... Just just energy coming from it and a lot of inspiration from it. And it's just something about her. I love her. Anyway. She earned yeah. every bit of it. I love her. Yeah. We went cactus shopping the other day because I had bought Big Library for Hanukkah, a male um, a ceramic vase where it's basically the torso of the dude. Uh-huh. There's an opening for the head, like where the neck is. Uh-huh. And then there's an opening where the... The Ken parts are. Where the penis goes? The penis, yes. Where the penis goes. We went to a local shop and bought a really nice bulbous traditional cactus and put it on top for the head. And then found some other kind of phallic-like succulent slash cactus where it will eventually grow more into a giant thorny, it looks like a rose thorn thing. Uh This is reminding me in birdcage when Robin Williams and Nathan Lane's son is coming home to bring Calista Flockhart and her conservative uh-huh. family and they're like you uh-huh. have to get rid of all the art and they're like what and every bit of art has an erect penis just just a <laughs> large erect penis I have the lady version of that planter I have where it's just a torso and it's got boobies on it you know, amazing amazing and i got some flowers in there i love that i was gonna say i don't have any of that but i did buy a painting from an artist in venice california that is just a torso with breasts excellent we've all got T-T-T. one ttt we've all got it can't stop it telepathic triangle of trust boom 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 now speaking of our telepathic triangle of trust and how much we love each other oh yeah I have a story for you. As the audience, je prouve. Now, there's a whole lot of conspiracy buildup to this story, but I do assure you that this is a a true crime story. Okay. Okay. Content warnings apply for allegations of sex crimes against children. Okay. Okie dokie. On November 6th, 2016, two days before Election Day, Journalist Will Sommer published an article in the Washington City paper. Will wrote about strange rumors surrounding a restaurant Mm -hmm. in Chevy Chase, Maryland. My goodness. Just outside Washington, D.C. The place is a pizzeria that was also a popular venue for concerts with an added gimmick, ping pong tables. It's owned by a guy named James Elephantis and is, despite vehement assertions to the contrary, just a regular place. (laughs) That's what they want you to think. Today's story is about Comet Ping Pong and Pizzagate. Oh, man. How have we taken 103 Uh episodes? That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, look, I had had a couple other stories potentially lined up, and I'm like... Uh Uh-huh. 
It's almost Christmas. We've got to talk yeah. about no, pizza. No, we deserve cake. this. <laughs> my gift to you. <laughs> yeah, this is my gift to you, listener. Will's article in the Washington City paper described an alt-right conspiracy theory that Comet Ping Pong was the hub for a worldwide child sex trafficking ring run by prominent Democrats. Obviously. And Will is an excellent journalist who's been following right-wing conspiracy culture since before the Trump years began and is still on the beat now. But he gave readers, I think, the first primer about these rumors in his Washington City paper article. Mm-hmm. So why this place? Excellent why question. Pizza? Isn't it obvious? I mean, I think it's obvious, right? Okay, what what makes it so obvious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's almost it's almost too too obvious, Edie. It's just it's so it's, obvious. I don't even think I need to say it. You think yeah. you don't even need to you say are it? Right, it's so right obvious because it's right there. Because of course, comma right ping in pong front of your eyes, Chevy Chase, Maryland's is a secret hub for a child sex trafficking ring run by prominent Everybody knows that. Everybody knows it. Well, there are a couple of threads that need pulling. First, Trump supporters online in places like 4chan and Reddit were actively looking for ways to attack Hillary Clinton, especially after October 7th, 2016, when the Washington Post published Mm -hmm. leaked video of Donald Trump in 2005 talking to Mm. then-TV personality Billy Bush in a bus for the pop culture TV show Access Hollywood. Lights, camera, access. (laughs) In the video, which I won't play, Trump can be heard on a hot mic talking about a married woman he wanted to have sex with. Now, I won't play the video, but I will do an impression, which I think is worse, but here we are. A little bit. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. We can often get cold for Christmas. You're right. You've been bad this year, listener. (laughs) Yeah. I moved on her like a bitch, but I couldn't get there. And she was married. Then all of a sudden I see her. She's now got the big phony tits and everything. She's totally changed her look. (laughs) Then Donald and Billy appear to notice an actress who was there as part of the segment the two would be taping. I've got to use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. Just kiss. I don't even wait. It's like Uh, an assault. I just kiss. I don't even wait. Gross old man. Pièce de résistance of the tape. Yeah. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. You can do anything. Love it. Oh, such a good time. 45th president. That audio was pretty bad. And it led a lot of people to mistakenly think that there was no fucking way that could get elected. So it's a, it's a, um, it's a cautionary tale in many ways. Mm. The audio was so bad that Tic Tac, the mint company put out a statement on Twitter saying, (laughs) Tic Tac respects all women. We find the recent statements and behavior completely inappropriate and unacceptable. Tic Tac's like, really? Now I have to be involved? Here at Tic Tac. <laughs> I just love that it's too far for Tic Tac. Like, we don't want this heat. This is PR that we are not prepared for. We did not budget don't for. Put we this don't even advertise. Tea. We don't even advertise. People just like us. 
We're just at the counter in the grocery store. We're at the till. We're just rack jobs. Yes. We're rack jobs, not whack jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so, fans had less than a month to come up with something worse for Hillary. Now, rumors had been floating around for quite some time that Bill Clinton had flown on Jeffrey Epstein's private plane, according to flight logs. True. True. For months, the Trump campaign was at least implicitly pushing the connection between Bill Clinton and Epstein, the rich financier who'd been convicted on charges related to soliciting minors for sex and whose private plane was nicknamed the Lolita Express. Mm -hmm. Trouble is, though, Trump seems to also have flown on that plane Mm, and has been photographed being chummy with Epstein over the years. And according to Vanity Fair, Epstein's little black book of contacts had at least uh-huh. 16 phone numbers to reach Donald Trump at. Uh-huh. Jesus. And in 2002, Trump told New York Magazine that Epstein was a terrific guy. Uh-huh. Yeah, he Mr. Said, Grab him by the pussy would love Epstein. Of course. He, go, he continued, he's a lot of fun to be with. It is even said that he likes beautiful women as much as I do, and many of them are on the younger side. No doubt about it. Jeffrey enjoys his social life. Wretches, the lot of them. Why don't you just not talk about me, you creep? So the upshot is the big bad Hillary scandal couldn't just be the Epstein connection, right? There had to be more. But where could these very online Trump fans turn for dirt? Mm. Well, luckily... In March 2016, the personal Gmail account of Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign manager and former White House chief of staff in the Clinton administration, this guy John Podesta, his Uh Gmail emails were hacked, probably by a phishing attack, maybe by a Russian spy group associated with its military intelligence called Fancy Bear. Fancy Bear. Welcome to the stage, Fancy Bear. That's a bearded queen. Hello, the legendary house bear. of the bear. It's right. I'm fancy bear. I love fancy bear. I wish I could be fancy bear. Fancy bear is who I want to be. We Amen. are all fancy bear. On this day? Yes, we are. Fast forward a few months to October and November 2016. Whistleblower I'd rather slate. not think of those times. <laughs> yeah, no, it was <laughs> really never bad. Go Please, I'd rather no, wait, not. This is, this is our generation's, like, Go back in time to kill baby Hitler, or you can go back to October and November 2016. (laughs) So back in October 2016, whistleblower site WikiLeaks had gotten their hands on the emails. On October 9th, 2016, they started publishing 20,000 pages of them at just the time that Trump fans needed them the most. Thanks for that. Thanks, Julian. The emails that the Clinton campaign declined to authenticate tell us a lot about then-candidate Clinton, if they're real and unaltered. Honestly, who knows? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Vox put the emails into a few categories in an October 2016 article. There are questions about the Clinton Foundation and whether donors got special access to the Clintons. They probably did. Ties to Wall Street and other mega-donors. Probably too chummy. Probably. How the logistics of the Clinton campaign worked. And of course, gossip and shit talking. And wouldn't you know it, 
John Podesta sent and received a lot of emails about pizza. <laughs> Sometimes from Comet Ping Pong. Sometimes huh. too many. <laughs> 4chan posters started making connections between Podesta and emails that had the word pizza in it. On October 20th, Breitbart News pointed out on Twitter one email chain mentioning a handkerchief of Podesta's with, quote, a map that seems pizza-related on it. No. What What does that mean? Somebody, it's like a pattern. A napkin? On, it was like a handkerchief of Podesta's that he'd left somewhere, and somebody asked him, like, hey, is this yours? It's a handkerchief. It looks like it has a map that seems pizza related on it. I don't know what that means. Wow. Pizza related map sounds very Papa John's. Or maybe it's like a tour of Italy. These are the kinds of pizzas (laughs) (laughs) on like a novelty handkerchief. I have no idea, but a map that seems pizza related. Sure. Could it be that Podesta ordered a lot of pizza? Preposterous. Could have been. I mean, he was pretty busy at the time that pizza was consumed. 4chan posters knew what was really going on. (laughs) The pizza stuff is code for child sex trafficking. Now that is worse than just being friends with a sex trafficker. Thus, Pizzagate was born. I just... The leaps and bounds... Well, the I don't know mental what gymnastics. The mental gymnastics it must have taken. You're gonna to eat your words, miss, because connect these well, dots. My words are pizza and I love pizza. Okay. <laughs> boom. boom. You'll wish you hadn't said that. Yeah. Once you know Bob the code boom. that you're speaking in. In one email from 2008. Comet Ping Pong owner James Elephantis thanked Podesta for going to a fundraiser at his restaurant and expressed some kind of regret that he couldn't make Podesta a pizza. 4chan users then started looking at photos from inside that restaurant and its murals, which they said were creepy. They looked closer at doors in front of the place's bathrooms, which they speculated were hidden rooms. You mean like a private bathroom? You don't know what's going on in these hidden rooms. So it's got to be the worst possible thing. On earth. Just, okay. And Comet's owner, James Elephantis, used to be boyfriends with David Brock, who's a former journalist and Democratic mover and shaker behind the organization's Media Matters for America and Correct the Record. Correct the Record was a political messaging outfit that specifically countered anti-Clinton talking points. So... The pizza guys connected. Wow. Okay. Finally, one 4chan poster realized that the phrase cheese pizza started with CP, the same letters (sighs) as child pornography. Sure. Oh, my God. Sure. So does, like, a lot of people's initials. So does, like, a lot. CeCe's Pizza. Chris Pine. (laughs) <laughs> like, why aren't we investigating CeCe's? Why aren't we investigating Charlie's Pizza? I guarantee you there's a Charlie's Pizza. I don't know where. 
Charlie's got a pizzeria somewhere. On November 3rd, 2016, a 4chan poster wrote, and I'd love an audio effect here. Search for these possible doublespeak keywords in WikiLeaks. Hot dog equals boy. Pizza equals girl. Cheese equals little girl. Pasta equals little boy. Ice cream equals male prostitute. Walnut equals person of color. What? Map equals semen. Sauce. Ugh equals orgy at least they didn't go saucy semen. they should it was it was right there saucy right semen there. is right there but i guess that would be too easy and so the code had to be just a yeah. little bit more complicated to be believable mm-hmm. sure users quickly co-signed on these keywords in the podesta emails being real And so these emails from April 11th, 2015, were read with these keywords in mind. Subject, walnut sauce, question mark, from Jim Steyer to John Podesta and Mary Podesta. Hey, John, we know you're a true master of cuisine, and we have appreciated that for years. But walnut sauce for the pasta? Mary, please tell us the straight story. Was the sauce actually... Very tasty. From John Podesta to Jim Steyer and Mary Podesta. It's an amazing Ligurian dish made with crushed walnuts made into a paste. So stop being so California. (laughs) It doesn't sound like something I would order, but it sounds like something that exists. Applying this random 4chaners rubric, this email is a conversation asking John Podesta about orgies with trafficked young black boys and John Podesta right. saying he loved it. Again, I don't know why sauce, you don't think it's pasta. so obvious. It's like they we know you're a language. true master of cuisine and we've appreciated that for years. Really, that yeah. was a big thing that the four channers were glomming onto. They're like, see, he's been Ugh. doing it for years. Yeah. Yeah, that's fun. I'm having fun. Among the big posters in early Pizzagate was a Twitter user whose handle was Pizza Party Ben. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like an 11 year old. (laughs) Pizza Party Ben. In a November 5th, 2016 Twitter chain, which is now deleted, but I could access a partial archived version of okay ben laid it all out in that chain ben points to black curtains in the restaurant the presence of strange looking puppets and overview of comet pizza from a child named eli who hasn't been active on youtube since 2012 dead (laughs) he's dead He's been he's been trafficked and murdered and is dead. Also, he's you know dead. what? I'm now on their side because what did you say about fucking puppets? Yeah, there's apparent. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't see the pictures no. of these alleged no. puppets. Only some of the pictures that were attached to the Twitter chain could be seen on the archived version of it. Uh huh. Ben Same. also wrote 
Eli's, quote, father, Paul Sizemore, posted pictures on his blog of his, quote, children. And this was one of their Halloween costumes. And the costume, which I could see, was like a, a ghost costume with a paper cutout face. Okay. So they went out as a family for Halloween? A, quote, family for, quote, Halloween. Quote, father. <laughs> One Reddit user in a Trump subreddit that I think is R the Donald, which is gone now, but it's doing its own thing on a different website. Oh, oh, yeah. One user wrote, does anyone want to run surveillance on Comet Ping Pong? Who the fuck do we tell in D.C. police that would be competent? (laughs) The idea was that Comet Ping Pong was the hub for a child sex trafficking ring run by Podesta and Hillary Clinton herself. Users claimed that Comet had a secret kill room where children who were compromised or no longer wanted were murdered. They claimed that children were trafficked into and out of the restaurant through underground tunnels connected to Comet's basement. Except there is no basement. It's one thing I know about this. (laughs) Will Sommer pointed out in that October 2016 article that it wasn't clear how much of this Comet Ping Pong talk, at least at the earlier time, how much of it was serious and how much was memeing. Mm-hmm. But the story had legs and it was running. In the days before the November 8th, 2016 election, the New York Times reported that James Elephantis noticed a big spike in Instagram followers. Hmm. People started posting comments and Facebook and Twitter messages, even texts to his phone. Messages like, we're on to you, and this place should be burned to the ground, and I will kill you personally. Oh, that's a little worse. Well, (laughs) Comet's staff were getting similar messages just for working there. People had found out that they worked there. A subreddit devoted to Pizzagate got up to 20,000 subscribers before getting banned, And protesters began gathering outside the restaurant. According to Time magazine, in one encounter, the protesters interrogated Elephantis and put the interview on YouTube. I want to know why there's a child in bondage on your Instagram, one protester said. That's my goddaughter. She's playing with her sister, he replied. It's a cute picture of them playing together. It was published on there 126 weeks ago. On November 16th, 2016, Far-right internet asshole Jack Posobiec live-streamed himself going to Comet Ping Pong. According to the Daily Beast, Jack told his audience, I don't know what's going to happen to me. He added that he planned to do an IPOE, which stands for Intelligence Preparation of the Operational Environment. Ugh. Garbage. Okay. Absolutely vile, tactical LARPing. But in case is. you thought for even one second that Jack was a badass, he also said that his friend had pre-dialed the first two numbers of 911 and said that he's ready to dial the last one. Okay. <laughs> it's also just three numbers cool, total. Bro. You don't need to be prepped yeah. and loaded. Management kicked Jack out for streaming and told him that they were getting death threats because of the kind of bullshit that Jack was peddling. And uh, police were also kind of stationed outside across the street uh, after Alephantis had contacted them about this barrage of threats that that he, the restaurant, and his employees were getting. Jack Posobiec is still around, by the way. He's still peddling bullshit. 
For a few years, he was an anchor on One America News. I think he's now associated. He might even be kind of making a little bit more of a mainstream turn. I think he might be associated with Turning Point USA now. Edgar Madison Welch was then 28 years old from Salisbury, North Carolina. He worked at a food line warehouse and had two daughters. He goes by the name Madison. When Madison was eight, his 16-year-old brother died in a car accident. His parents took in foster kids, and after his brother's accident, Madison's mom became a volunteer firefighter. In 2010, Madison went to Haiti with a church group after an earthquake devastated the country. His dad, Harry, would later tell a judge, The last week there, his calls were pleased to let him bring three or four of the children home and let them live with us. Eventually, Madison started taking community college classes, but had a hard time with the disease of addiction. He -hmm. went to rehab, already a religious person, and came out even more committed, a high school friend told the Washington Post in 2016. Madison has Bible verses tattooed on his back. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Madison eventually moved back to his hometown of Salisbury, Salisbury, North Carolina. Madison called it Smallsbury, which is fun because we call it Smaltimore. Smaltimore. We sure do. He'd been married, but it didn't work out. He tried his hand at firefighting like his mom, but it didn't work out. He eventually got a job at a food line warehouse. One night in October 2016, he was driving to work uh, when he hit a kid, a 13-year-old boy. And the kid had a head injury and some broken bones. And Madison had some some EMT training from what he tried his hand at firefighting. So he did try to help until paramedics came. And he wasn't charged with any wrongdoing in that incident. But he was changed. On December 1st, 2016, according to court records, Madison texted his girlfriend about something he'd seen online. Oh, no. He wrote, looking up on Pizzagate, and it makes me fucking sick. (sighs) His girlfriend wanted him to stop, but Madison started watching Pizzagate-related videos for hours and poring over Comet Ping Pong's website. He sent one friend a video about Pizzagate from InfoWars, Alex Jones' show. He texted another friend, a veteran who'd been to Afghanistan, for help saving the kids. Here's what Madison texted about his mission. Raiding a pedo ring, possibly sacrificing the lives of a few for the lives of many, standing up against a corrupt system that kidnaps, tortures, and rapes babies and children in our own backyard. Madison's friend wasn't disinterested, but wanted to do some recon, check the place out. But Madison knew there were kids in But Madison knew there were kids in there, and there wasn't any time to waste. Oh, okay. Two days later, on December 4th, 2016, just two months after the Podesta email started to hit the internet, Madison woke up early, got in his car, and made a video for his daughters. The video's two and a half minutes long. In it, Madison told his girls that he loved them more than anything in this world. He said... 
I can't let you grow up in a world that's so corrupt by evil without at least standing up for you, for other children just like you. It seemed like he wasn't sure he'd see them again. And here's what the U.S. Department of Justice says happened next. Madison drove 350 miles and got to Comic Ping Pong during lunch service. He parked his car and armed himself with a loaded 9mm AR-15 rifle and a loaded six-shot thirty-eight caliber revolver. He left a shotgun at a box of shells in his car. At around 3 p.m., Madison walked into the restaurant. Customers and staff saw Madison, saw his big old assault rifle, and booked it out of there. And Madison even told some customers that they ought to leave. And he started looking around. He was walking pretty slowly. He found a locked door and tried to open it, uh, first with a butter knife. And when that didn't work, he fired the rifle a few times into the door. <laughs> a couple minutes later, a Comet staff member came into the restaurant carrying pizza dough. Madison turned towards them and raised the rifle, and the staff member ran off. So Madison was alone in Comet Ping Pong, and it was just a regular restaurant. Weren't there police watching the place? There were. They were outside. Okay. After about 20 more minutes, Madison left his guns in the restaurant and left. He came out of the restaurant with his hands raised and was arrested without further incident. The whole thing took at most 45 minutes, and nobody got hurt. A couple days later, Madison talked with the New York Times. Not an excellent idea. No. Terrible idea. Terrible. When asked what he thought when he couldn't find any trafficked kids at the restaurant, Madison said, the intel on this wasn't 100%. But you still rated it with your... In hindsight, I guess the intel on this wasn't 100%. Well, if you worked for the U.S. government, that's a very reasonable response. But you don't. But he'd only admit that there were no kids inside Comet Ping Pong. And at least back then, he wouldn't back down on Pizzagate outright. By March 2017, Madison would plead guilty to interstate transportation of a firearm and assault with a dangerous weapon, which I believe is the pointing the gun at the uh, Mm -hmm. employee. At his sentencing in June 2017, prosecutors asked for a four and a half year sentence for Madison. In court filings, the government said Madison's video to his kids showed that he was lucid, deadly serious, and very aware that his planned confrontation would likely leave him dead or in jail. Madison's lawyer asked for less time, a year and a half. Madison himself wrote a letter to the court saying, I came to D.C. with the intent of helping people I believed were in dire need of assistance and to bring an end to a corruption that I truly felt was harming innocent lives. It was never my intention to harm or frighten innocent lives, but I realize now just how foolish and reckless my decision was. Madison was sentenced to four years by now Supreme Court Justice Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Back then, she was a judge for the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia. When sentencing, she said, the extent of the recklessness in this case is breathtaking and said that it was just sheer luck that nobody got hurt. I don't know if it was luck. Madison was misguided and utterly pilled, but he knew enough not to shoot at any human beings, and I truly believe that he didn't want to hurt anyone. Mm -hmm. 
Madison's story didn't end Pizzagate. Some believers claimed the whole thing was a false flag operation to throw truth seekers off the scent. On October 28th, 2017, a year after Pizzagate started gaining steam, a user who said they were a seasoned U.S. intelligence officer started posting on 4chan, calling themselves Q. <sighs> QAnon quickly consumed Pizzagate, welcoming it into its Leviathan-like mass of conspiracy flesh. Oof. It wasn't just cheese pizza and walnut sauce. It was adrenochrome and frazzle drip and the Great Awakening. On March 3rd, 2020, Madison was released from prison into a halfway house in North Carolina. He got married again, and his new wife was expecting a boy as of September that year. I don't know what else has happened to Madison since his release. I haven't been able to find much of anything. His probation should be just about over by now, and I hope that he's okay. nothing else happened. Yeah. And that's a little bit about Pizzagate. Oh, my God. Our country. I know. I know. (sighs) And it got so so much of a bummer that you guys were just, like, sitting with your mouths open. There's not jokes to be made. It's just sad. There aren't jokes to be made. Yeah, yes. Well, eventually, like, I think it's in 2018, I think, is when this happens. After Anthony Weiner got arrested, who was Huma Abedin's ex-husband, Huma Abedin yeah. was a longtime aide to Hillary Clinton, his laptop was seized in 2017 because he was like, I think like sexting teenagers or something. He was, yeah. And there was a conspiracy that was kind of born out of Pizzagate, like I think born out of Pizzagate, born out of the cabal and adrenochrome stuff. And it's the idea is that there was a video on that laptop titled Frazzle Drip. Have you guys heard of Frazzle Drip? I no. don't think I no, have. I, have I don't think so. No. It's a fake video. It doesn't exist on the oh. dark web or anywhere else. But it's uh, the idea is that in that video, Hillary Clinton and Huma Abedin are shown killing and cutting the face off of a young girl and wearing the girl's face on their face while she's still alive uh, to scare her enough that she'll produce a adrenochrome for them to consume and get high off of. Sure. Marjorie Taylor Greene at one point signed off on the frazzle that trip. Zero surprise. Theory. She pretends now that she was never a QAnon person, but. She was she frazzle elected. drip level QAnon at at least yeah. some point. That's kind of deep I, QAnon. And the videos are there. Yeah. 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 There are videos of her like kind of talking QAnon stuff. Yes. You can mm-hmm. see it like from when she was kind of a QAnon influencer before she uh, ran for Congress. So. Which is why she was elected to Congress. Which is why. And then she just turned on them. Yeah. But no, they, they trust the plan. It's fine. You know disinformation is necessary so she needed to she needed to pretend she needed to hide her power level that's actually y'all knew i had to do it to you i had to give you a right-wing conspiracy true crime thing i feel so bad for everyone involved (laughs) including madison yeah it sounds like uh he got taken in and he made some decisions his whole life he had 
had his whole life is kind of marred by stories of children in crisis. Yes, it is. And so he's he's extra vulnerable to this kind of thing. And it's that vulnerability that I really wanted to highlight when I spoke about his part of it. It's not a good Mm -hmm. idea what he did. He made some terrible decisions in that process. But I think he's in in a way he was a victim of this whole leaderless conspiracy cult thing that we're living in in the post era. Hmm. Well, Oy. well, thank you very, very much, thanks. Edie. That was riveting and terrifying and sad. Yeah, and Christmas. Thank you, uh, Miss. Do you yes. plan to keep us in the Bummersville or? We gonna no. see some sunlight. We're gonna see. It's weird. We're going weird. <laughs> I, okay. I don't, um, and it's gonna start with just like a little bit of history, just like a little teeny bit. Oh, homework. Not big, it's not homework. Well, maybe it is. It's fun for me. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. But it's definitely really interesting. So. In the late 1400s, early 1500s, Strasbourg. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's like real <laughs> history. This is like legit okay. history. Medieval. Medieval, darlings. In Strasbourg, which is in modern day France at the time, was a city in the Holy Roman Empire. Living was rough. All Truly. right. The feudal system was in full swing, and the peasant majority were suffering. From extreme poverty, multiple diseases, plagues, outbreaks, and general horror just of everyday life. I just imagine everybody living back then is just constantly shitting themselves to death. Okay. So here's (laughs) the thing. There's like my next sentence starts with there's no sanitation and there's no clean water. Because and so it's gross back then. You washed everything. In the same water that you drank. People literally were dumping in the streets, dumping in the fields. And that was just normal practice. Dumping in the fields and dumping in the (laughs) (laughs) fields. Dumping that too. Yeah, no, like it was not chamber pots and and anything. Not for these people. There was they had almost nothing. Like there was a story about a man who was so, I guess. dehydrated or like starving and he just kind of passed out in a field and he fell asleep in some shit and that was his day and then he went home afterwards there's almost no food the food that was available the food that they grew was so expensive only the wealthy could afford it not to mention the incredible amount of wars that were just always happening which meant if you were a peasant and somehow managed to be reasonably healthy and hardy, you were sent to war, which meant the only people left, they were left behind to farm food they couldn't eat and just generally die miserable. Oh, just fucking snap my neck. Get me out of there. Yeah. No just way. Like, no way. Fucking horrible i don't understand how people drown me in the thames drown me oh sorry drown me in whatever rivers flowing through strasbourg just yeah a kid in king arthur's court lied to me black knight lied lied to me all of it even like the tie up aristocrats they were still disgusting they just looked better and had better food no can you imagine the smells 
No. Oh, God, stop it. No. I won't, and I can't. The rich people just, thing- like, just perfume plus BO. They did. Constant. Perfume, Oof. and then they would hold flowers under their nose. But yeah. these are, like, the working peasants. These no, are the feudal no peasants. There's no disguising it. You've just got poop all over you. There's shit up. Yeah. The only thing that the peasants had was the church. And church leaders Great. would tell them. I'm just saying. <laughs> this it's the good. only thing they had. <laughs> Fucking awesome. What suffering brings you closer to God? They would tell them the reasons they were poor and hungry was because, because one, God was punishing them. Or if they were more benevolent, it was because God was testing them. Yeah. Either way, yeah. it's because of God. The the question of evil never is um, sufficiently answered by religion. The why do bad things happen to good people? It's either because you were bad or because God tested you. For what? Why? Job got tested forever and ever. Terrible, terrible things You can go to heaven. Yeah, sure. Not worth it. Another reason why you were suffering is because you weren't donating enough money to the church. (laughs) Of course. Of Mm. course. Of course. Because you had absolutely nothing. You couldn't even feed yourselves. Your water was brown. Like you were just oh either sick or dying at all times. <laughs> the hard times continued, even though the peasants did everything they were told to do by the church. And but what they saw from church leaders really started to weigh on them. Church leaders had fancy clothing, they had jewels, they had hearty food, endless wine, and clean water. And for the first time in this area, Tension started to rise between the peasants and the church. Yes, rob them. Yeah, no, it's not oh, that fun. We're not. Dang it. We're not there yet. <laughs> then a meteorite hit. What? <laughs> it didn't cause any damage, but it caused total chaos. And the immediate consensus from the church was that God sent the meteorite as a warning because the peasants. We're sinning too much with all of their dying and shitting and drinking brown water. Man, priests are allergic to looking inward. Seriously. Enter Johann von Kaiserberg. He was a secular priest and one of the more, the most popular preachers of the time. From what I can gather, him being a secular priest meant that he was still incredibly pious and believed in the church, but he also fought against the abuses of the church. Like he saw the excess, he saw the suffering, but he still believed that salvation could only come from the church. But he believed the church needed to restore its morals through church and state, through faithful adherence of Bible teaching. So he like, you know... Turns his chair around before he sits yes, down on Yes, he's it. the so cool... Let me wrap with you kids for a minute. He's a cool youth <laughs> pastor. He's telling it how it is, and he's acknowledging the abuses, but he still is incredibly pious and in, in full belief and support of the church, just saying these people in charge of this church are totally corrupt. So... Let's just bring it back to something simple. You know, my friend JC. <laughs> Jesus <Yeah>. Christ. <laughs> so it's not really secular as we would call it, but his work helped form the groundwork of the Protestant Reformation 
in this area. He's no Martin Luther, but for this area, he's their big guy for reformation. And the people loved him for it. And the church were threatened by him because of that. Johan called out the church leaders directly against their excess and gluttony. In response, the leaders formed an informal parade where they donned on their fanciest clothes and all of their jewels and walked through town protesting Johan. What stupid fucking assholes. Are you fucking kidding me? They just need to know how powerful we are and how wealthy they are and they'll go back to listening to us. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just tear the jewels from their necks, people. Just take them. (laughs) We didn't know yet. We didn't know. We didn't know we could do that. Johan's speeches, though, as the years went on, would start getting a little weirder. He once blamed a group of monks and nuns he was giving a speech to. He accused them all of, like, boinking each other. Oh, my God. It's the cabal. Yeah. And it (laughs) was based off of nothing. It's the cabal. It's QAnon. And people just believed what he said because they were so into him. So there was that. And then at one point, the papers reported he blamed all of the bad things happening in Strasbourg on witches and werewolves and said that a witch had cursed the town. I'm guessing through God God. or that's how we Hmm. get the devil. It's either that's how we get the devil. So it's not God or God's like, here's a witch curses. I don't know. Wow. And then around 1510, he died and things continued to get worse. Because Johan's not around anymore. No. A few years after his death, a newspaper reported that leaders believed people's relatives were coming back from the dead, wandering the area and screaming at night. Oh, my God. Miss. Oh, wow. No. (laughs) No. Miss. What? Miss, is Johan coming back? No, no, (laughs) Johan's done. (laughs) I'm just trying to give you a background of like where our story takes place. So it makes a little bit more sense. Okay. Unfortunately, uh Johan is not coming back. So we've got. But things are so bad. Things are really bad. Stories about witches, werewolves, zombies in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. Making things worse. Yikes. Yes, all of this turmoil that is the briefest of historical backgrounds I could possibly give that leads to our story today. Welcome to the stage, Frau Trophia. July oh, 1518, shit started to go off in Strasbourg. Frau Trophida walked into the town square and began dancing. She was sort of like hopping from one foot to another And she wouldn't stop no matter what anybody said, no matter what anything was going on. It turned out she couldn't stop. She eventually, at the end of the day, collapsed from exhaustion, but her body continued its dance while she was laying down. The rhythm is going to get (laughs) you. No, the rhythm fucking got her. She did this every day, all day, for an entire week, only stopping in exhaustion to sleep. And the strangest thing happened during that week. People started joining her (laughs) up to 30 people within the first week. (laughs) 
Yes, I've heard I've heard like vaguely about things like this happening in the mm-hmm. middle age areas uh-huh. times. They all danced in the street to near total exhaustion. Some even injuring them in the process and they still kept going. I'm talking these are these are the same people who have no food, no water and they're bones are just breaking or they're twisting <laughs> ankles or they're whatever and they're still <laughs> you broke your foot and you still aren't stopping you still come can't. on shake your body baby do that conga yeah the local infirmary started to fill up with dancers who couldn't continue and again these are not hardy people they're hungry they're dehydrated they're sick their experience of famine like yeah by the time breaking your bones and collapsing like that that's no way to get to nationals no it's not it's not by the time authorities cared to look into the matter it was way too fucking late some reports say that nearly four hundred people were participating in what is called a dancing plague (laughs) so this is why john lithgow didn't want the kids to dance in footloose oh my god that's why this is exactly that's why he knows the dangers he's seen it before yes if you start you can't stop like pringles imagine 400 peasants (laughs) <laughs> not just like they're not like so many people just like not even dancing like you're in a club or or even like formal dancing at the time you know like hands are up here and people aren't really touching this is like mm-hmm. flailing your body and like the most bizarre this is not dancing this is body flailing and hopping around and convulsing and they're moshing Town leaders consulted with doctors who said that the dancing was result of overheated blood in the brain. Yeah, okay. Oh, you know. You got hot brain in your head. You got hot blood brain. Hot blood brain. <laughs> Having no ideas on how to stop the wild ass flailing bodies in the streets, they decided to put on a festival of dancing. What? The idea being that they would eventually dance themselves out. They hadn't so far. No. So I don't get it. Maybe it's like reverse psychology. Like they're dancing because the powers that be in town don't want them to. Don't want but them like, to. If they're allowed to, then they'll be like, well, it's not really that like subversive anymore. <laughs> sure. They cleared out an open air market, guild halls, and erected a stage. They herded the, literally herded them all together, some hundreds of people. They herded them to the location and they hired musicians. So they got bagpipes, they got lutes, they got a drum, they got whatever they got. And they're up there, whatever they're doing. They even hired strongmen to keep the dancers upright by holding on to the dancer's body while they flailed so they wouldn't fall over. Listeners, you're missing some amazing act outs that I'm doing right now with my flailing. I'm so sorry you you can't see it. (laughs) So people couldn't fall over in just exhaustion so they could keep going. They have these strong men to keep them up. But they kept dancing 
to the point of unconsciousness and now death. Oh. They were people were dying. Some people, some reports, some newspapers at the time said that there were up to 15 people a day were dying from the dancing plague. Now Come that is on. the highest number I heard. Shake your body. No. Yeah. Do the conga. Yes. Leaders began to believe that they made a mistake by putting on the festival. <laughs> now they believe that the <laughs> the dancers were suffering from holy wrath, obviously, not hot obviously, blood brains. Yeah. So in response, the music was banned and dancing in the streets was banned. Dancing in the streets. Dancing <laughs> in New York City. There's a reason why Strasbourg is never name dropped in that song. Yeah. That's right. Down in New Orleans. <laughs> this did not stop the dancing. The dancers were then herded like sheep to a shrine of St. Vitus in the hills above the town of Savarine. Oh, to be a donkey on that pilgrimage. <laughs> I know. Just like everybody's dancing, everybody's flailing, but they got like sheepdog to like, I don't know, keep them together. I don't know heels. what they had. Just ye old party bus. Oh, so sad. This sucks. (laughs) Sucks so bad. So when they got to St. Vitus, the statue, their bloody feet were forced into red shoes. And I don't know why. I don't really get, I don't really know much about St. Vitus, except that he was eventually burned at the stake. So I don't know if the red shoes represent his red, like, hot feet. Or if the red shoes were unrelated or what's going on? Maybe like aesthetic. Like, okay, we're imagining <laughs> that you're, all your feet are going to be super, super bloody. We don't want to take uh, responsibility for that. Yeah. We're just going to cover them up with these red shoes. So they got red shoes and they danced around the statue of St. Vitus. <laughs> Great. This lasted for weeks. No, the only time people stopped was in complete exhaustion and people continued to die. They were dying from this. The flailing around in red shoes after weeks, survivors suddenly stopped. Okay. Their surviving dancers went home and I'm guessing healed from their injuries. And I'm over it now. Went, went about their life. This was two months. This was oh July through September of 1518 that that went on. That uncontrollable, unstoppable dancing Dance plague. Off. Yeah, oh dancing God. plague existed. There are many hypotheses about what caused this crazy bullshit. But the only thing we know for sure is that this actually happened because we have all of the primary sources to support it. Thank you, Printing Press. Like, Thank still, you, Printing Press. Yeah, like she was just invented not that long ago, but this town had one. And we have all the primary sources to back it up. Back then, it was all hot blood and demonic possession. Um. And then there was a theory that people accepted for a while that they were afflicted by a fungal disease from contaminated rye called ergot poisoning. Ergot Uh poisoning. That's what they thought. (laughs) That's what people thought thought Salem Salem. witch trials were about, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't ergot poisoning. And it wasn't, I mean, 
Ergot poisoning can cause convulsions, muscle spasms, vomiting, hallucinations, and excruciating pain. I mean, I guess it's possible, but the most widely accepted theory is mass hysteria, which is how I came to find this case because I, I, mass hysteria is very interesting to me. You're on the mass mm-hmm. hysteria beat on the yeah, and beat. Yeah. And so that's how I found this. And the, uh, the most famous example of mass hysteria is the Salem witch trials, but this pops up a lot too. Mass hysteria or mass psychogenic disorder occurs in groups of people under extreme stress, usually based on localized fear. I don't know, miss. You haven't really explained what these people have to be stressed about. According to Professor Simon Wesley of King's College London, there are five criteria to be met for mass hysteria. It is an outbreak of abnormal illness behavior that cannot be explained by physical disease. Check. It affects people who would not normally behave this way. Check. It excludes symptoms that deliberately provoked in groups gathered for that purpose. Check. It excludes collective manifestations used to obtain satisfaction, such as fads, crazes, or riots. I guess that could be argued, but check. The link between the individuals and the behavior must not be coincidental, meaning that they are all part of the same close-knit community. Yeah, check. So we have met all of the criteria for mass hysteria. So I think the most likely is that things were so horrible for so long in Strasbourg. This is the result that this woman started this because she had finally lost it because everything was so horrible. And people are like, that makes sense. And then all of a sudden, I can't stop. I think, I think, I think it's that. I think our brains are wholly capable of things that we don't understand. And can, and I think that they can control our actions and inactions in ways that we do not fully understand. Anyway, regardless of cause, that is the dancing plague of 1518. Whoa. Wow. wow, wow. Thank you. I, That's I, incredible. I, I definitely heard part about the dancing plague before. Oh, yeah. But uh, nothing compared. I didn't know anything about mm. what they actually did. Hundreds I didn't know many of, of these people. details. Hundreds, hundreds of people. And this is not the only dancing plague. There was one in 1347. There was one around like a thousand, the year 1000. Mm -hmm. Um, And there have been a few since, but this is like the main one. This is where people died. That's That's what I can't get over. Like That's commitment to the bit. Well, that is the compulsion part that I don't understand. I don't like that has to be a compulsion. Like if I don't keep going, either some more shit is some more bad shit's going to happen or I'm going to die or whatever else they've imagined would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Man. This Just, is, well, that is fucking wild. Yeah. What? episode. <sighs> I can't wait for the next dancing plague because now yeah. we have some like groovy tunes that we could play along with it. Yeah, not just bagpipes and lutes. <laughs> All of it. 
I love that you're like, now we have better music and you cite uh-huh. songs from 30 years ago. <laughs> Yeah. What's the point? Uh, well, uh, look, in comparison between 1400s and now, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. That's recent. That's recent. I mean, it was 400, 500 years ago, 505 yeah. years ago. So 30, uh, 20 years, 25? Yeah, nothing. 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 Thank you, miss. I appreciate you, you sharing this story because I had fun. It's a cautionary tale. You it can is. literally die yes. dancing. Never it exercise, those, like, never all dance. Night dance-a-thons. Jimmy Pester Jr. needs to watch out. That's right. It puts all those like all night dance-a-thons for like fundraisers. Oh yeah. It puts that in a whole new light. <laughs> oh yeah. Let me just say, as the audience, I enjoyed both of your stories today. Hell yeah. Edie, I enjoyed yours in a morbid, yeah. nihilistic, nothing can yeah. be saved, we're all going to die anyway kind of vibe. Hell is real and we are in it. That is yeah, exactly very it. fair. Yeah. And so, yeah, I vibe with that. I, I respond to that in the same way, too, same. that I respond to the, am I going to just start one day, wake up and just dance until I die? Like I, I, until you who else die, thinks about that? Yeah. <laughs> Another thing to be scared of. Besides fear itself. Fucking FDR. <laughs> if people want to share their experiences, if they've survived being stricken with dancing plague or not, where yeah. would they be able to find us, miss? First, you can send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com, or you can hit us up on Instagram at creepyinquiriespod. If you are ever interested in our sources, we have a page for that on our website at creepyinquiriespod.com, updated weekly. And mm. then if you've got a minute, if you could be so kind, wherever you're listening, if you could give us a cute little rate and review, we would really appreciate that, and it helps us out a lot. Five stars, or you and I... We're going to cut loose. Footloose. Footloose. And you're not ready for that. Listener, thank you so much for joining us on this episode 103, the Ricardo Montalban aged episode. Ooh. Come <laughs> That chest plate. And until next time. Good. Good.